Hello there, I'm Abby, and you are listening to yet another mini-sode for Stories Lived, Stories Told. Thank you for coming back. And for those of you who are just joining us, unless you already eat, sleep, and breathe CMM, I'm going to suggest you go back to episode one. There are so many components to CMM, and even though my goal is to make this theory accessible, it can be really easy to get lost in the language, models, and concepts that all interlock to form CMM. So going back to that first episode is going to help you out, get a foundation and an understanding for the theory, then you can join us back here. If you're anything like me, then the complexity of CMM is an exciting challenge, a puzzle to be sorted out and arranged into something that makes sense. However, if you are what I assume is the majority of people, then the complexity of CMM can feel daunting. But I'm going to ask you to lean into it and trust that you're capable of holding and comprehending such layered and nuanced ideas in your brain because I trust that you can do that. So believe with me, just for a moment, that there is great value in flexing the muscle of your brain and pushing the limits a little bit, stretching, growing, and asking your brain to learn a little more. And just think that all the best things are the ones with multiple layers. Life and relationships and communication are complex. And so I just think that we need and we deserve theories that even try to begin to encompass all that complexity because anything else is just doing us a disservice. I just graduated college, which is very exciting. But one thing I've been thinking about is how am I going to keep my mind stimulated now that I don't have thoughtful and interesting class discussions to do that for me. Also, shout out to the comm professors at Ball State who are just the most amazing and did successfully keep me engaged and always thinking. And I loved having that as a built-in part of my life for the last four years. I want to keep that going. And it's important to me to still have that in my life. One way that I think I can do this is through listening to podcasts. I have a few that I really enjoy and always leave me with something new to consider. Hopefully this podcast can do the same for you and for me. So get on board because I am going to be doing plenty of nerding out about these concepts. And this is a safe space for you to do the same. Whether you already spend all your time in an academic setting diving into these concepts, or you are only just now learning of CMM and viewing your life through this lens. I've said it before and I'll say it again. This is a space where we're all learning together. And it's only right because a big part of CMM is coming from a place of compassion and curiosity and grace. Well, I will get off my little soapbox now and finally get to today's topic, the serpentine model. The serpentine model works backwards from what we create, asking how we got there and specifically what patterns exist that got us there. So using the language of CMM, we are persons in conversation, which just means that we are all always interacting with or are in conversation with others, whether that is a literal verbal conversation or even the broader idea that we live our lives, quote unquote, in conversation with others, so to speak. That there is always this back and forth, that nothing is isolated. So the serpentine model looks at the process that occurs between persons in conversation. And this process is always happening. 
Barnett wrote that every aspect of our social worlds is made by the collaborative action of multiple people. And that's true. There is not a circumstance that is not made through collaboration in some way or another. This model is called the serpentine model because of the back and forth that occurs during a conversation between two people, how it kind of resembles a snake slithering back and forth, like starting at one person, then going across to the other and back and back and back. And that repetition is what's key because it's what makes known the patterns that are taking place in those interactions. So if you were just looking at one individual exchange, then you won't be able to recognize it as part of a broader pattern. Take, for example, if you are considering an interaction that you had recently with a coworker, and you walk away from the conversation feeling really upset with the interaction that just took place, and it didn't go how you thought it would, and there was one specific thing they said that hurt you. So you go to your friend, and you say, can you believe that this person said X to me? You know, it doesn't matter what it is. Fill in the blank with your own experience. Can you believe that they said this thing to me? But that's not the whole story. This doesn't excuse the very real and very hurtful thing that was said. But by zooming out even a little bit, you might be able to gain more clarity and understanding about why the conversation even got to that point. First, we could look at the way zoomed out context that maybe the person you interacted with was having a really hard week for any number of reasons, right? Take your pick from the long list of things that you know could stress someone out. Then, zooming in a little bit, we can look at the conversation from start to finish. Because the utterance, right, utterance being what was said, the thing that you plucked from the conversation and said, can you believe they said that to me, that utterance doesn't happen apart from everything else that built up to it. So on top of your conversation partner already being stressed, maybe you approach them at a particularly bad time. Then, starting with the very first utterance, we get to snake back and forth, back and forth, each person reacting to what was just said and adding another layer. So let's say this conversation started because your coworker expressed an opinion really enthusiastically. And then you expressed a different opinion, maybe a little forcefully. Then your coworker responded defensively. And then you also got defensive about your opinion. Then your coworker responded harshly, criticizing you for having a different opinion. Then maybe you made a comment too about how her opinion was wrong. And then your coworker made a comment about your intelligence and stormed off. One part of this is that it's actually really difficult to trace the origins of blame in any interactions, and that's because there are always multiple perspectives. You might go tell your friend that you only responded negatively because the other person started it and made the first aggressive comment. But your coworker, talking about the same exact experience, might not see it that way and could go tell their friend that they only responded negatively in response to you. And neither is right or wrong. It's just two different perspectives, two different stories told of the same lived story. This model really highlights how each utterance is a reaction to a previous utterance. Keep that word in mind, reaction. And that's okay. That's what communication is. But a lot of people get stuck in what CMM calls unwanted repetitive patterns, or URPs. 
subconsciously, they tell themselves that they have to respond a certain way. For example, if you internalize messages about needing to defend yourself for survival while you were growing up, then you might naturally react defensively without even thinking about it or actively choosing it. It's a reflex. And it happens on both ends of the conversation. The unwanted, repetitive patterns generally lead to a place that neither person wanted the conversation to go. A lot of times there's an escalation that occurs. And if the person's in conversation aren't thinking critically about how they respond and why the other person might be responding how they are, then this escalation seems inevitable because they aren't even considering that they could have responded any differently. Once again, we will be hearing from the one and only Dr. Barbara McKay on the Serpentine Model, which is a really interesting way of integrating all the models we've talked about, layering the Daisy Model on the Serpentine Model, and then putting all that in the Hierarchy Model. So let's hear what she has to say. Okay, the Serpentine Model, it tries to understand the timeline in relationships, and it looks at people's positions in the conversation. So it's about the way that different utterances are connected, and it's the space between that interests us. So the first person says something, and the way I use it, I actually wrote something for my students the other day, every speech act has a metaphorical daisy behind it. Yes? So someone says something, and then the next speech act has another daisy. But it might not be the same as this first one. So the space between this speech act and this utterance, there's a a meaning-making opportunity. And we don't know how the second person in the conversation is going to understand the first one until we hear the response. We're interested in what is it that people are doing in the space between them that leads them to understand and make meaning in the way that they do? And sometimes it's not what people had hoped for. So the space between is where I pop the hierarchy model. How come that was the kind of response you thought was required? When you heard your partner say this, what do you think she was looking for or he was looking for? So I'm, I'm interested in the space between. And then by the time we get to three utterances, we're able to determine whether or not the conversation is going to go into a pattern because the person that makes the first utterance either responds to the second one with a a change or reiterates the first position. And so we know by three utterances, we've got a little meaning making. Barnett called them triplets, conversational triplets. And so each triplet, you've got a meaning making triplet. And that is informed by the one before it and shapes the one after it. And so that's how we think about the serpentine model. It helps people to understand the meaning that they're making between the utterances and how we can intervene to create something that's, that's better with them. So it tracks the dance between meaning, action and emotion. It helps us to think about the way people are coordinated, and it also helps us to take a third-person position, a meta-position, to look how it's put together so we can draw it out and say, what do you think? This is what you've just achieved. Is it what you wanted? Why don't we start again? And at every turn, why don't you try something different and see what else you can make? So it looks like the kind of game-like pattern. That's how we use the serpentine model. So there are two ways that we can actually put the serpentine model to work in our own lives. One is to use it as a reflective tool after a conversation has happened. 
Maybe in your mind, you can visualize the serpentine of the conversation back and forth, noting each turn in the conversation and seeing how it all built on each other or put it on paper. I feel like for many, they only engage in this kind of reflective action in a place like therapy. But you're allowed to do this on your own because ultimately it's something that can help you understand yourself and your role in the collaboration of making social worlds. Not everyone has access to therapy and developing emotional intelligence has been coded as something that is a luxury, not a necessity. Only people with the time or the money get to do this. But that's so wrong. Understanding our communication patterns and our role in our social world and the way that context plays into everything is so important and foundational to the quality of our lives and relationships. And it can be made a priority, even if you don't have the formal tools of therapy. Simply by choosing to place value on it and seeking to learn and having a desire to grow it can be made a priority. And it hasn't always been accessible to people outside of academia. I'm always talking about the language and the tools that CMM provides us with. And in a lot of ways, those have been gatekept within academia, but I think that that should change. So hopefully this podcast is helping to bring CMM into our everyday lives so that we can use it as the tool that it absolutely can be. The second way to use this model is in the moment. The biggest piece is that knee-jerk reaction that occurs. The thought that you have to respond a certain way, that you must respond a certain way. And it's never true. So using it in the moment, the minute a conversation starts, you know, you recognize that you are in the serpentine model. And you can, even in a quick little moment, hear what the other person has said, Think about how you want to respond and then respond rather than skipping that middle part altogether. And this is what keeps you out of those unwanted repetitive patterns. And it may seem unnecessary to do this in even the smallest of interactions, but your relationships that you have with people are built one interaction at a time. And so it's worth taking a closer look at because it's the unit that our relationships are made up of. And so enough interactions over time that are escalations, that are riddled with unwanted repetitive patterns, is going to create a relationship based in that. So if there's always going to be a pattern that emerges in our interactions, we have the power, we don't think we do sometimes, but we do have the power to control whether that is going to be a positive or a negative pattern that we create. We always have that power. And that's the serpentine model. Since we've now covered these four models of CMM, we're going to move through some different concepts in the theory and hopefully keep putting the pieces of the CMM puzzle together so they can form a complete picture for us. We also have more amazing conversations coming. And hey, I love a good mini-sode to do a deep dive into a topic, but I always look forward to the conversation episodes the most. Every conversation I've had has just been so fruitful to me. So I really hope this whole podcast can add value to your life. Thanks again for listening to Stories Lived, Stories Told. I'll see you next week.